This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, your host for the next 30 minutes, podcasting as usual from uh, the offices of Amethyx Technologies based in uh, Brussels City, Belgium. Today I want to speak about uh, something that uh, in fact is extremely important uh, regardless of the uh, sector you operate and uh, whenever it comes to uh, performing estimations as well as prediction uh, in different machine learning models, but also statistical models, it's a topic that in fact um, is always present across uh, all these sectors and uh, pretty much any methodology. Uh, I'm speaking about uh, uncertainty quantification, which is the practice of uh, uh, essentially making uh, all these predictions and uh, model-based predictions usually um, as reliable as possible or if not uh, more reliable at least uh, being aware of the errors that usually these methods um, bring in your calculations uh, and estimations. So I will refer uh, mainly to simulators due to the fact that these are probably the most common tools that um, uh, nowadays are utilized for uh, making predictions, especially uh, when it comes to industrial engineering. Uh, but of course, as you can understand, uh, these are you know methodologies that are also present in uh, statistical estimation uh, and of course uh, probabilistic estimation, uh, as well as more complex machine learning models uh, even the ones that uh, are supported by uh, neural networks or deep learning in general. I will also mention two typical frameworks that um, uh, industrial engineers especially utilize to assess uh, and to quantify uncertainty, uh, in fact, uh, which are uh, which go under the name of V and V, uh, which stands for Verification and Validation Framework, and the IPAC Framework, uh, which uh, I will extend uh, in a minute. The problem of uh, uh, uncertainties in uh, computer simulations is um, a very important problem that uh, an engineer has to <laughs> definitely master when it comes to uh, predicting quantities or uh, predicting scenarios. Now, of course, if you are dealing with um, a very simple, for example, recommendation engine, uh, the goal of which is probably to recommend some products to purchase online or uh, a movie to watch, uh, for example, uh, to, of course, people, um, running a simulation in such a, let's say, less critical domain and also including some uncertainty uh, and of course some error in that prediction uh, you know is not that critical uh, due to the fact that the nature of the problem that you're trying to solve is not critical either but if you think of for example industrial scenarios in which you are performing simulations to uh, estimate uh, important quantities for example the drag that uh, the wings, the wings of the wings of an airplane uh, will be exposed to, uh, as well as the vibrations, for example, or the noise uh, all around the aircraft. Of course, these are you know much more critical problems for which, when the uh, industrial engineer makes 
predictions uh, about some of these quantities or scenarios, uh, you know, we have always to ask ourselves how reliable that prediction is. Because after my, uh, you know, algorithm or a bunch of algorithms and a computer or a bunch of computer have run that simulation, do we still believe that indeed the estimated quantities estimated via simulation are reliable enough to bring the rest in production, where production, of course, means uh, directly to the, to the aircraft in the case of the uh, plane example. Now, most of the time, whenever we speak about simulations, we usually refer to mathematical equations and likely partial differential equations. These are usually the tools and, uh, of course, mathematical tools that people use uh, to engage in um, industrial simulations. And, of course, it depends pretty much on the type of problem that you are solving. Uh, and these equations can take different form for uh, different field, uh, fields, in fact. For example, computational fluid dynamics, as well as computational structural dynamics, or computational autoacoustic simulators, and so on and so forth. These are all uh, you know, different branches or fields uh, that require pretty much uh, the same mathematics behind. So the problem is that um, every model is, as we all know, an approximation of reality. And now, the perfect model, of course, does not exist, um, because the fact that we have a model in place, it means that we cannot, uh, let's say, evaluate the real scenario or the entire scenario completely uh, from, realistic, fr from real observations, and therefore we need to model uh, some or the entire scenario uh, in order to um, take decision. In fact, in order to estimate first some of the quantities that we uh, will need to take a, a decision, to make a decision. So if we start from that idea and, uh, you know, that assumption, that is the perfect model does not exist, then what is a model? Well, a model is an approximation of the real scenario. Uh, and of course, a good model is a model that um, approximates as close as possible the real scenario. But a good model is also the model that I know is going to make an error. Uh, and that particular error, the uh, model error, can be quantified in a way. So if this happens, then it means uh, that you know the model is relatively reliable. It's a stable model in the sense that I know the model is introducing an error, in the prediction or in the estimation, but as I can quantify that error, if I can quantify that uh, inaccuracy, well, then uh, it's still good. You know, the model is still, it can still be considered for uh, production, for, you know, taking decisions and in production environments. This is very important because uh, I want to emphasize this. The perfect model does not exist. So we always have to find a way to assess um, the reliability of a model by understanding the type of error that the model is introducing and also the, the magnitude of such an error. Now, when I uh, refer to the concept of error, of course, we have uh, different types of errors and therefore different types of uncertainty. Now, the first uncertainty, of course, comes from the uh, data itself, the, usually the input data. 
Now input data, uh, what is input data? Is the data that we use to, of course, create that model. And in machine learning, for example, is the data that one uses to uh, most of the time train that model. But it's not only that, uh, input data can also be observations that allow us to, let's say, create the model to start with, because um, it allows us to give some information about the uh, real scenario that we want to um, to estimate or to run predictions of. So the um, data, of course, come with uh, an error or introduce uh, some kind of uncertainty. Uh, whenever there is an error, of course, there is also uncertainty. And um, uncertainty can come from different sources. Uh, we can have model parameter uncertainty, for example, uh, when we simulate a, a system, a physical system, we need to set some parameters that represent some physical quantity. Uh, if you are modeling, for example, uh, let's say traffic, road traffic, of course you need some parameters that uh, model as close as possible, for example, the uh, amount of or number of cars in the time unit at a particular time of the day, or the maximum flow or capacity of a particular uh, highway or, or a part of the highway, and so on and so forth. So we need to um, model these parameters as accurately as possible. And if we don't, well, we are introducing so-called model parameter uncertainty. Another uh, type of uncertainty is the one that comes from so-called initial condition uh, uncertainty. Uh, for example, when you think about um, uh, weather states or uh, wind, simulation, for example. Uh, of course, the initial condition is the initial weather uh, state or the initial wind force direction uh, and magnitude uh, that, of course, we can assume it's going to be the, the one we'll find in the real world, but it might be indeed inaccurate. And so this initial condition, it's also it also introduces some form of uncertainty, which goes under the name of initial condition uncertainty. Um, another one is boundary condition uncertainty. Um, and this is due, for example, to the random nature of the physical phenomenon that you are trying to, to model. Think about wind, think about ocean waves. Um, and of course, we cannot think that, you know, to predict exactly how these waves and oceans ocean waves or uh, wind will go uh, in reality because there is a, a random component that of course we are not modeling um, and this not only complicates the prediction but also introduces indeed another type of uncertainty which is also called uh, boundary condition uncertainty. And then of course uh, there is the error slash uncertainty uh, introduced by um, let's say the fact that someone is writing the code uh, is writing computer instructions um, that will be used to simulate all these nice mathematical models, right? Um, there is also the uh, numerics uh, error that is introduced, for example, by uh, discretization of quantities, uh, precision that it usually comes uh, from, you know, using floating point operations, uh, and of course it depends on the number of bits that you have uh, available to represent a physical quantity. It can be 32, 64, or much, much higher than that, but it still introduces, of course, a, uh, an approximation due to the discretization, uh, you know, the fact that computers, of course, are 
discrete machines. <laughs> um, the other types of uncertainties referred to as uh, aleatory uncertainty, which usually arise uh, whenever you're dealing with uh, more, or less, more or less random uh, quantities. So randomness is something that, of course, uh, we cannot model. Uh, there is a, a way to model, for example, pseudo-randomness, um, considering different types of events. For example, you probably have seen sometimes in the password generation uh, algorithms, um, the program that is actually asking you to move the mouse randomly. And well, these trajectories described by your mouse are actually used as a seed uh, for the random number generator in that particular state of the of your machine. But of course, you know, it's an approximation. It's something that resembles randomness. But it's not pure randomness. So it's something that we are creating. Um, the other uh, type of uh, uncertainty is uh, called epistemic uncertainty. And this is, you know, the, the type of uncertainty that arises due to lack of knowledge. So there are, it happens many times that one doesn't have enough observations to, uh, let's say, define uh, a particular aspect of that physical phenomenon. So we don't have a way, we don't have enough knowledge to understand, definitely understand, but also to model that particular physical phenomenon. So uh, we make assumptions due to lack of knowledge. We make assumptions that, of course, can be completely wrong. Or if they're not wrong, they're definitely not 100% accurate. And of course, they introduce another type of uncertainty. So with all this amount of uncertainty, now one can say, yes, but then I will never uh, make a model that is actually useful. Um, well, that's not 100% true, um, because models are almost always useful, of course, the good ones. Um, and um, they definitely allow one to narrow down the plethora of possibilities uh, that, you know, a physical phenomenon can be represented by, but uh, the, the good model usually narrows down uh, this amount, this almost infinite amount of representing a physical phenomenon and therefore, um, you know, understanding better how that physical phenomenon might work. As I said at the beginning of this episode, we cannot escape uh, the fact that uh, there will always be uncertainty in our model, even in the best possible model uh, you can get, there will always be an amount of uncertainty. The good thing of this is that uncertainty can be quantified. And uh, that's why, you know, engineers introduced what, what are called uncertainty quantification frameworks that are indeed methodologies and frameworks to assess and quantify the amount of uncertainty of a model at hand. The first framework I'm going to expand on is a verification and validation framework, uh, also referred to as V and V. So whenever you see V ampersand V, if you don't know the jargon, uh, they're most likely speaking about a verification and validation framework. And this applies usually to the calibration of a computational model. So essentially, the V and V framework uh, tries to assess the so-called credibility of a particular model and establish the quality of the computational model that you are considering. Um, and uh, as the name says, verification and validation, of course, uh, it's uh, composed of two essential steps. The verification step that, that asks the question, are we solving the equation 
correctly and the validation step that uh, most likely answer the question like are we solving the correct equation which seemed like the same thing but it's actually very different because in the verification step one uh, you know wants to quantify the uncertainties that are associated with for example the numerical errors that are uh, generated whenever you use um, a code to solve the mathematical models well, the second, the validation step, um, are we solving the correct equation? Uh, it usually, it's an exercise more of physics and engineering, uh, and it usually involves comparisons of the simulation results with experimental measures. Because if there is a discrepancy there, it means that probably, likely, uh, we are not uh, dealing with the, the right equation. You know, it's a, an equation that is actually not representing uh, the model um, that does not really represent the physical world. The second framework, it goes under the name of uh, IPAC, uh, IPAC, which is the acronym of uh, Identify Propagate Analysis Control. Uh, and that's, uh, of course, a, a bit more complex um, methodology because there are four steps uh, that actually compose this, uh, this, this framework. And uh, of course, the purpose of this framework is to uh, making predictions using the calibrated model. So, in the first, with the first framework, we want to actually calibrate our computational models, and in the second step, we want to make predictions using such calibrated models. So, what is this uh, um, IPAC uh, framework or Identify Propagate Analysis Control? So in the first step, the identification, the methodology essentially aims to characterize the various sources of input data uncertainty. And of course, if there are, as I mentioned, uh, aleatory uncertainties, one usually uses probabilistic methods or probability density functions, for example, to describe the distribution of uh, uncertain parameters. For epistemic uncertainties, you know, the ones that come from the fact that we don't have enough knowledge about the physical problem, um, you know, one can use other uh, methods to reflect in, indeed the lack of, of this knowledge. Usually Bayesian statistics is a, a very important asset in this particular field um, and the analysis of, for example, priors and prior knowledge. The second step is uh, propagate. So it's the P of IPAC. As the name says, it propagates all the input data uncertainties to the outputs of interest uh, via, uh, and, uh, via running simulations. Uh, essentially, what we want to do in this particular step is um, to you know, try to see how the uncertainty in the input reflects uh, the output, essentially. And if, for example, in the output variables or whatever we are measuring at the output of our model, uh, if something goes, for example, above certain thresholds when we uh, apply some kind of uncertainty in the input data. This methodology is, use, is very useful uh, to assess, for example, structural failure or system stability, for example. Um, so when you try to, let's say, push the input you know, above or below these uncertain thresholds and see what happens to the, uh, for example, stability of the bridge if you are simulating uh, the stability of a bridge or of a financial system or structural failure of a building, etc. Now, most of the time, the uh, mathematical method that uh, is actually at the core 
of this particular methodology uh, is Monte Carlo. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever heard of Monte Carlo, uh, of course, it, these are methodologies that uh, you know allow one to run uh, a relatively high number of simulations uh, with different parameters and see uh, and generate, of course, as many outputs and then, of course, uh, computing the distribution of the output ma measures or metrics uh, so that one can take decisions on these statistical properties and distributions. IPA, the A stands for analysis. Uh, so after one estimates, let's say, the um, problems or the damage sometimes that is caused by uncertainty inputs or sources, uh, the next task is to determine the one uh, input uncertainty that uh, is actually mostly responsible for that, okay? And uh, it's kind of assessing the importance of uh, a certain number of variables and finding the subset of variables, of, or in this case uncertainties, that are actually causing uh, the most damage to your system. And finally, the C in IPAC, which stands for control, is uh, the step in which the um, engineer takes actions to mitigate all these adverse effects of the various uncertain input sources and try to, uh, let's say, deal with them. Um, for, so, of, of course, it depends what type of uncertainty we are dealing with. If it is epistemic type, uh, one can perform, for example, more experiments or observe more samples um, in order to uh, acquire more additional knowledge whenever possible, of course. And uh, if they are of uh, aleatory type, so things that change together with randomness, one can measure, in fact, one can optimize, in fact, um, the stability of the system in the case of the bridge or the structural stability in the case of the, of the building. One tries to measure how does the output change with respect to the noisy uncertainty and tries to optimize these adjustable properties of the system that is being simulated. Now, of course, this episode doesn't pretend to be exhaustive. Uh, this is a massive topic. There is a lot of, uh, there is a very rich literature about managing uncertainty, especially when it comes to simulators. Uh, it's a very fascinating topic, and uh, I will definitely provide some of the most important references that I uh, consider worth reading in order to expand a bit the knowledge on this on this subject. For the time being, I hope you enjoyed the show. Speak with you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.